Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. I'm Tim Wright along with Dr. Michael Gurian. We are glad to have you with us. We have a really nice question today. Uh, This is a question that every parent is thinking about as their child grows. How can I prepare my child to live in healthy relationships? And that's really the deal, right? Helping our kids become all that they can be relationally. And uh, we're going to talk about that. A little brain science stuff, some practical insights, as always, with uh, Michael Gurian. Michael, it's good to have you with us. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, we want to encourage you, uh, if you would like, to go over to uh, Facebook after you listen to this and uh, do a search on Wonder of Parenting. And at that point, you will find our closed group, our private group, and hit the Join button. I'll let you in. This question today actually came from the Facebook page, and we would love to have you interact with us if you'd like. Uh, It's a great place to ask your questions, have other parents uh, engage with you on your questions. Also, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, where you can send us questions as well. And there you'll find a link to the Center of Place of Hope, our good friends, one of our sponsors, Greg Jantz and his team up there in the Seattle area. And any kind of mental or emotional issue you've ever been through in your life, even physical, uh, they can help you with that. And so I encourage you, if you ever need them, to hit the link, the Center Place of Hope, and they're up in the Seattle area. And Michael, tell us a bit about our other sponsor, the Forge School. Yes, the Forge School in Tennessee, rural Tennessee, right on a river, 55 acres, beautiful grounds, beautiful uh, facilities, um, very boy-friendly. It's for 14 to 17-year-old boys who are having issues. So it's residential treatment. Uh, 14 to 17 year old boys and uh, they have just a great staff they do adventure therapy the, the kids get schooling as well um, so they don't fall behind uh, it, it's a great place the forge school uh, so go to wonderofparenting.com and you'll see them there and you can click that link all right our question for today again i i pulled this off of our uh, facebook page our facebook group page And uh, here's the question. I'm interested in learning the brain science behind how children develop an understanding of what it means to be in an intimate relationship. Does their understanding come primarily from observing the relationship between their own parents or other close adults? To what degree is it impacted by broader cultural and gender norms, for example? I often wonder whether the degree to which my husband and I show affection verbally and or physically in front of our kids is wiring them to normalize that behavior. How do kids grow into and develop their own approach to these relationships when so much of the conversation, affection, problem-solving, or negativity that happens between a married dating couple happens when no one else is present? All right. Some really interesting stuff in there. Go ahead. It's it's yours. Tag, you're it. Ah, That's great. Uh, Yeah, okay. So um, this is one where there isn't a particular issue where there's, there's a general... There's like 10 different things. So let me just start by saying that it's um, it's it's a it's like a both and multiplied because to some extent, 
you, your child will do relationships at 30 to some extent the way the child's personality is wired to do it. Okay, that's number one. Number two, your child will do relationships to some extent based on how the child models it, which is her, in her primary question area, how the child models it. And the child models relationship in, a, in really a three family system, the first family being the nuclear family, however it's constellated. And she's right in writing this question that, yeah, what she and her husband uh, or partner are doing, the kids are modeling. So th there's absolutely no doubt about that. So if they're being affectionate uh, throughout with each other throughout that childhood, the child is more likely, you know, to follow suit with that child's partner later because that modeling is so powerful. So it's modeling in a three family system, the first family being these primary parents. And and we often forget, though, that by the time the child is getting into sort of adolescence, uh, certainly by middle adolescence, then a lot of modeling is happening from second, third family and peers, uh, right? So the parents still have a profound effect, but the child is learning a lot from peers. And um, the child will learn a lot from those adolescent relationships, you know, what we call puppy love or, or those adolescent relationships. A lot's going to transpire uh, in those relationships. So that's the three-family system. Um, and then... You know, I would put culture as a late comer to the discussion. By that, I mean like gender norms. Um, gender norms can have some effect, uh, but they're not going to have as much of an effect on how the child does relationship. They won't have as much of an effect, um, especially in a culture like American culture or Western culture, where where the gender norms are subtle. In a place like Taliban Afghanistan okay that's a place where culture is going to have a profound effect but um, uh, culture and gender norms will but in the US I would put much more of it on personality type the way the child is set up uh, and then on the modeling in the first second and third family system including peers that's where I would put most of it good and I'm glad you started with the personality type so let's tease that one out when you talk about personality type talk a little bit about what you mean in terms of how one personality type might uh, affect the way a person relates versus another pe personality type. All right. Well, like, um, you know, a perceiver versus a judger, let's say. These are, you know, we could, one could think of Myers-Briggs. Um, uh, any personality type that people do, you, or Enneagrams, you know, you look at these, and I'm going to pick perceiver and judger. I bet it'll work for anything. And you say, okay, I'm a perceiver. Well, I'm going to do relationships a little differently than I'm a judger. Um, I'm a judger. My, I'm going to be um, a little harder on my spouse or partner. I'm going to lean more toward, um, uh, let's say, the problem-solving end, to use her language, and more on the, uh, you know, I, I don't really like that. Uh, a perceiver, oh, okay, I'm relating to my partner, and I'm going to be a little more trying to figure out uh, what is what is this partner trying to do? And I might be a little more gradual. I might take more time to think about how I'm going to respond to my partner. Um, uh, and you could do this for anything, introvert, extrovert. You could do this for intuitive. Um, you know, the more intuitive that personality type is, the more there could be more processing. And then, you know, you add male and female. Um, males take more time to process emotions anyway. 
so males and females have um, by 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 sex, right? And sex on the brain uh, can do relationships somewhat differently. And sex on the brain is genetic; it comes in on the X and the Y chromosome. So so we're still in the realm of the genes. So that's kind of what what I mean there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection. Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. That makes sense. Yes, yes, very good. So, so as long as we're talking about male female differences, and the, and the question for her was, was specifically an intimate relationship. Um, let's talk about how men, a male brain, approaches intimacy versus a female brain, and what are some of the differences there? Yeah, all, so all human beings, you know, we're all attaching, we're all bonding. So the the baseline is human, right? That's the baseline. We're all attaching and bonding. Um, and then, yeah, these differences uh, can multiply pretty quickly because the female brain, as we've talked about in the past, the female brain moves so much more of its emotive and sensorial content up than the male brain does, up to the word centers at the top of the brain and up up into the frontal uh, and the prefrontal cortex, which are executive decision-making. And, and that's a big difference. Males are moving more of their information their sensorial and emotive information more of it goes down down into the body and it takes them longer for it to get up for instance to word center so a profound difference that i mean like every scientist who studied this has found is this difference in word for feeling ratio and then the i kind of hinted at it earlier where where it a delayed reaction it can take males more time to empathize or perceive what what uh, and let's say with a heterosexual couple here, what her his wife or his female partner is going through, and and then that's what compounds that is that he, that males uh, there's a part of the brain that does problem solving and more blood flow. While while some of the blood flow for females goes up to those word centers, um, a, a lot of the emotive stuff goes up for males to the problem solving center so she's emoting and he's trying to problem solve and that's another profound male female difference um so and there are a number of these differences that that couples that have lasted a long time you know they may not even realize it but they have accommodated these differences like like for instance um uh, women in general will come to understand that they they aren't going to get from their husband exactly what they want instantaneously. They have to give him some time, especially if it's deep, like it has, it's emotive stuff that has to do with the child or something she wants him to do regarding the child. He he's gonna he may react if she forces right then, but she kind of lays it out and then a couple hours later comes back to him, and and instinctively couples do this and they don't realize they're doing it. 
Um, and, and like John Gray kind of tried to encapsulate a lot of this back in the early 90s, 1992, I think, with Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And then people like me have put this into, a, I have a number of books on coupled relationships, and I just do it sort of the same thing, but I'm looking at the brain science. And whether you look at it observationally or, or look at the brain science, these end up being robust across cultures. So not just the U.S., but across cultures. Uh, so not just the U.S., but across cultures. Uh, and a third, a third you know, um, uh, males don't, the male system is set up through by testosterone and the male brain is set up in utero by testosterone. And that's a different hormone than estrogen, progesterone, and oxytocin. So for instance, when males get under stress in a relationship and there's a conflict, our testosterone level goes up. When females get under stress in this relationship and have a conflict, their oxytocin, which is a bonding chemical, goes up. And that oxytocin, that neurochemistry, that hormone, that then excites more of their verbal brain, right? More of the of wanting to talk it out, let's say. Whereas for males, when the testosterone is up, he's under stress, so his body is producing more testosterone, fight or flight. He tends to, at least for a while, withdraw or he might become aggressive. And I don't mean violent, I just mean he might interrupt or be a little more aggressive. And that's not conducive, right, to the give and take of the relationship. And she feels disrespected by him. So uh, so couples kind of learn this intuitively and they uh, they go, okay, you know, let's back off for a little while and then come back, you know, back off and come back. And and the male has to come back because her bonding hormone is up. So we need to help her. We need to bond with her. So he has to come back. But she may need to back off because that testosterone's high. And so he's not really going to verbalize as she needs him to. Um, and then a half hour later, testosterone goes back down and they talk about it. So those are some key areas. And And I think part of what she's asking here then is, um, you know, how, what are some ways that as parents, let's take a, again, a heterosexual couple it could be really any kind of couple. How do we, as parents, um, talk to our kids occasionally, uh, about what they're seeing in our relationship so that there's an understanding of the give and take. And, and, um, you know, I, as a woman, generally speaking, I see things this way, your dad sees them this way. How can we use teaching moments like that to help our kids better understand, some of these brain differences and hormonal differences in the way we do relationships. That I, you're, you've hit it. The key to it, the key to it, uh, is educating the child. You know, and that is helping the child with self awareness, and us being self aware, so that we can talk to the child with self awareness. And um, in that way, we're mentoring and guiding the child in how to do relationship well. And and this can go down a number of lines. I'm going to pick two lines that this can go down. One line is don't do like we do. You know, that 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 is a popular line and it should be used quite a bit by parents with kids. Um, don't do like we do. And um, we're trying our best. But look, these are some mistakes we're making. When you grow up, don't make these mistakes. You know, uh, I'll give I'll give you an example from my own relationship with Gail, 30, 35 years of marriage. Right. And we both have really strong personalities. And so we bicker a lot. And as our kids were growing up, you know, obviously they saw that um, nothing abusive, nothing terrible, nothing like that. We just bicker like she'll say something, you know, and then I'll react to what she says. And then she'll react to what I say. And then, oh, about five minutes later, we chuckle, you know, but we're bickering. And my wife's dad, Dean, who, who passed away about 10 years ago, he sent us a tape of the Bickersons, which I guess was a radio show when he was growing up. And, uh, you know, because we bicker so much. So we would say to our kids, OK, look. 
look how much we bicker. We're both very strong personalities. And this is how we lubricate our relationship and keep it fresh. And, you know, we, we bicker, but you don't necessarily have to do that. Um, so that's a line of, of saying, don't, don't do stuff that we consider not the best. And then on the other hand is like, here are things we think we're doing well. We would love you to look at these. Like we do a date night, you know, um, uh, once a week. Uh, store that away, child. You know, that's a really good thing because here's here's why it works. It gets the oxytocin up. It creates the bonding. Uh, you know, make sure we never get too isolated from each other so that we're always bonding, um, you know, etc. So that's sharing and that guiding and mentoring is, I think, a really valuable thing. And it doesn't, kids, doesn't matter to kids at five, but as they're becoming, you know, uh, 10 and older, I think they're, it's a great conversation piece. And it's a great conversation piece for dads too, because, you know, usually moms will talk about it, but I love it if fathers would talk to their kids about what they like about the relationship, what they think they haven't done very well, that they're trying to improve, you know, um, what their strengths are, what their assets are, what their liabilities are. Um, because one thing parents, I think, intuitively always know is that what you kind of want for your children is that when they grow up, they, w they will do what's good in you, right? They'll do, they'll model what you did right and well, and they'll react to and not do, specifically not do what you're doing badly, <laughs> you know? And you often see this, uh, you often see this with um, being serious with kids who come from uh, families that divorce. Their parents divorced when they were five or when they were seven or something like that. And now they're adults and they're in therapy and I'm meeting with them, let's say, and you, I can, you know, you can see that what they are wanting to do in their present relationship is not the thing that caused their parents to divorce. And, and that's natural to human evolution. So that's why I kind of like talking to our kids about it, you know, while our relationship is strong, when they're 10, you know, when they're eight, nine, whatever's appropriate age, um, so that it helps them later in life. They're really thinking about it. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So part of uh, what she's asked here, too, is, is the way that she and her husband relate in front of the kids. So that would include, you know, uh, verbal conversations. It would include physical touch. Um, and and how, how much of that, I know it probably depends on each family, but how much stuff do you show and how much stuff do you not show in your relationship? Uh, you, it, that's individual to each relationship. There's such a wide range of what is normal and, and great, you know, and, uh, and useful that what the couple needs to do is they need to be affectionate and bond in the way that works for them. Mm -hmm. And if, if, um, obviously the exception will be if one of them is involved in domestic abuse or domestic violence, obviously no, but those are crimes. So, but other than that, you know, the range of normal is, is a wide range. And let me, let me give an example of how, how interesting this can be. Um, Gail, my wife, Gail, she comes from a family where, where the father was very silent 
and he, he's a World War II vet. He was a POW for a year and a half. He definitely had P- PTSD. Um, not affectionate uh, with his, his wife. Um, they both passed on now. Not affectionate with his wife, Gail's mom. That was a real hard thing for Gail's mom because Gail's mom is by nature a very affectionate, bonding person. Created all sorts of conflict. And in the last 20 years of their marriage, they didn't live together. Um, mm-hmm. They stayed married but didn't live together. So so then you come to Gail. Now, there, she did not get modeling of affection, right? But we come to Gail, and this is how much nature matters. Gail is one of the most affectionate people you could ever meet, my wife Gail. But her parents did not show affection in front of her. But Gail loves to be affectionate. And luckily, I do too. I like being affectionate. And so we were both very affectionate with each other in front of the kids. And we we never committed what I consider a, a cardinal sin in relationship, which is in public, including in front of our children, degrading our partner, you know, okay. shaming mm-hmm. our partner in right. public. And that includes in front of the kids. Um, we didn't do that. So... So I'm saying a couple things there. One thing I'm saying is that nature in some ways sometimes can trump nurture, <laughs> right? In Gail's case. Right. Um, uh, but also there are some cardinal sins. And and there, one thing her father did not do is he did not berate his wife. He was just too silent, right? Hmm. And, and so Gail married someone, myself, who I am not an, a berater or degrader or anything like that. Um but I'm also not silent, <laughs> right? So she, she, in picking a mate, uh, decided to pick someone who took the good thing, which was not degrading the spouse, but also was not the bad thing in her perception, which is too silent. She picked someone who is talkative um, and who is verbally affectionate and also doesn't degrade her. And I think that's what our kids, what we want to set up our kids to do is to, we, we are going to be who we are. Um, and there's a wide range of who a couple can be. And no expert should tell a couple how to bond with each other and how to be, except for no violence. Um, but we can say to the kids, again, I'll circle back to it. The thing we can control um, is uh, let's help you to be self-aware when you make your choices and your selections. How about um, arguing uh, between couples? Um, sometimes it breaks out, you know, in front of the kids. Sometimes it's behind the scenes, and the kids are listening, and you don't know it. How do you handle that part of relationship? Because that's just a part of relationships. You're going to have disagreements. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I uh, lessons of lifelong intimacy. If anyone's interested, has a lot on this. That's very practical. That lays it all out. I'm going to do it really quickly. Um, the how we do conflict is to some extent dependent, and this goes back to the wisdom of this this writer who wrote us, is somewhat dependent on, on how our parents did conflict, right? And how, how the three family system does conflict, but especially in the younger years, how our parents do conflict. And some of what we're going to, our, our threshold, our comfort level is going to be somewhat based on having modeled uh, them, and then how they did conflict with us, how they did conflict with us. Um, and we're going to be working through that especially in the first few years of our relationships, like from 15 to 25, let's say, we're going to be making a lot of mistakes based on how that went in our relationships. And I've, you know, and then let's say we marry at 28 or 30. By then, we will have worked through a lot in the previous relationships because we've got, you know, some of these burdens we've carried forward and confusions about doing conflict 
based on how our parents did it and how they did it with us. Um, so it would be great, uh, but we're all human, but it would be great if parents could do conflict, obviously, in the most healthy way, where they listen to each other, you know, one person doesn't roll the eyes at the other, but really listens and then paraphrases back. Okay, this is what I'm hearing you say. And then, yes, that other one says, yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, and so now I'm going to speak, right? Now the other one speaks, this is what I'm saying. It would be great if that's how all conflict went. Um, and then they work it out. Uh, but of course, conflicts have a wide range and there's passion and anger and, and the kids see all that. And as long as... As long as, you know, the parents come back around to the kids and are kind of helping the kids to understand that, um, that that's going to be okay. You know, that generally will be okay. The kids will work it out later between 15 and 25, um, uh, but, it, you know, it'll be okay. And I think we have to go into parenting that way because we are just so imperfect in doing conflict. And we all try so hard to do it right, uh, but we're really imperfect. So, and oh, and not never forget that it's not just how the parents modeled it. It's how the mom is doing conflict with the child and how the dad is doing conflict with the child, you know, or the two moms or two dads. That, how that conflict is done between those two generations also affects the future. Finally, you've talked about the importance of other families, as you call them, uh, seeing the way that uh, grandparents model relationships, um, close friends and others. Uh, just speak to that. In our final few minutes together, yeah, it's actually very important because often, often kids. Um, uh, this is part of the research on like a single parent home and how difficult the adulthoods can be for kids who are raised in a single parent home. And and we've always said, you know, it's not about the single parent. Um, there's no blame on the single parent. It's about the fact that we just don't have all the scaffolding around the child, and so there aren't enough attachments. There aren't enough bonds. Uh, teaching the child the lessons of life so the child can become an independent adult, purposeful adult, an adult who knows how to be empathic and do relationship. Because the human brain does not learn all that from one other brain. The human brain learns it from many others. We're pack animals. We learn it from many others. So when, when uh, it's especially important when the child is being raised by a single, um, a single parent. But even when the child has a strong nuclear unit, it's still important because the, there could be things going on in the nuclear unit that are not that healthy, but the child goes and watches healthy affection and healthy bonding, you know, from grandma and grandpa, aunt, uncle, best friend's parents, um, who become like mentors, um, uh, other adults, and, and even from media. I mean, kids are, kids are watching other stories, because stories, these media stories, uh, comic book heroes, all this stuff has become like third family, right? The media especially digital, it's it's in kids' brains many hours a day. So it's like a third family, and they're learning from that. And they're, they're trying to find all these various ways of doing relationship so that they can pick the ways that work for them. If, if uh, This is why I think it's so important that kids are as close as possible to grandparents and to other relatives uh, and to other, like godmother, godfather, these folks, um, because that's what the human brain needs to become a mature brain. And ultimately, what what she's asking about, you know, is I want, she's saying, I want my kids to grow up to be mature adults who know how to do mature relationship. And we need more than one parent or two parents to do that. We need others to help them. Well said. 
And uh, this has been really helpful, Michael. I appreciate it, and we really appreciate the question. If you do have questions for us, you can go to wonderofparenting.com, and we have a submission form there. Or you can join our Facebook group, and that's uh, you just do a Wonder of Parenting search in Facebook and uh, ask to join the group. We'll let you in, and then you can ask as many questions as you want. You can interact with other parents, and uh, there's some good stuff happening there in our Facebook group. Michael, as always, thank you so very, very much. Thank you. Thanks for making it all make sense, Tim. Uh, yeah you're okay. my rock <laughs> well glad to do it and we, we appreciate the questions and we'll be back with you again next time thanks everyone with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.